0: Did you want to say anything? Oh. Ladies, you have a women's tea coming up. And a guest, Gary Connors. Years ago, I met Gary and uh, part of Mission Canada uh, committee and uh, was able to visit in Montreal and tour around at some of the churches there, district office, and and just see what's happening in the province of Quebec. And it's amazing what is happening there, but it's also amazing the need there is in that province. Uh, probably the most unchurched, or at least uh, as far as the evangelical church, uh, province in our nation. And so uh, we uh, have uh, partnered with uh, um, the French Bible College IBQ and are helping each month to support a, a couple who are learning their, uh, learning their language and as well learning to plant a church in that province. And so um, we've had the privilege of uh, visiting out there. Uh, Gary's been here uh, before, and I think it's been a couple of years now, and so he was out here visiting a number of the Bible colleges. And uh, so also you'll see a display in the foyer. He'll probably mention it, but I noticed there's even opportunities to go to Quebec and teach English as a second language and uh, for maybe go there for a week or whatever, and uh, so if you want some more information, you can obviously talk with Gary at the end of the service. Also, if you want to help with uh, providing finances and resources in that way to uh, the ministry there uh, within Francophone Canada, by all means, you can indicate that in your envelope. He's got some at the back there you can give direct as well. Um, and we just want to partner with uh, another part of our fellowship in that great province. Gary's married to, there's a bit of a write up there about him in your bulletin, to his wife Gwen. And uh, they have two children. Their son is now married, and, and uh, they're expecting their first grandchild next month, April. And um, so if he has a, just an extra special glow, it could be the Spirit of God. It also could be the fact that there's this anticipation of a grandchild. Uh, how many here have grandkids? How many would like some? Never know, so. Too early, chooks. Too early. <laughs> yeah. Well, you welcome Gary Connors as he comes to share with us the ministry of
1: that they do, and also in the Word of God. Alors, bonjour, chers amis. C'est un grand plaisir d'être avec vous ce, cette journée. Que Dieu vous bénisse abondamment. The only problem I had was Calgary beat the Canadians five nothing the other night.
2: Hallelujah!
1: <laughs> I thought I'd come out west here and have a reason to celebrate. You know, they'd been doing so good until they meet Calgary. Incredible! Great being with you, brother Roger, too. And it's great being with each one of you. And um, I'm so happy to be uh, with you today. Um, Pastor Roy has uh, introduced me and talked a bit about my ministry in Quebec, um, the, um, and it's a great ministry. I was going to tell you a bit something else, but I know if I talk about it, I'm going to start crying. So uh, it's, it's, it's hard on my heart. It's not about the Canadians. It's not something I'm going to cry. <laughs> but uh, 45 years ago, I might just say quickly, 45 years ago, I gave my heart to the Lord just south of Lloyd Minster. And uh, it's uh, it's great to be back, 45 and a half years actually, so it's great to be back here. I, the Lord led my steps to come out west. I shouldn't have started. <laughs> and uh, it's amazing. God couldn't do. Amen. I knew I shouldn't have gone there. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. And uh, 19 years old, young guy who came out west looking for fun. I found the Lord. I found uh, It just changed my life completely. And uh, now I'm back again, trying to get people from the West to come t- to Montreal. And uh, I just want to say to you folks that your church has been uh, the best, the best, for promoting the program with which I, I work with. fit for m stands for French Intensive Training for Ministry... Mission, mentorship, and multiplication. It's a reboot of a program that existed in Canada, which was called Flight, which was an acronym for French language intensive training for evangelism. See somebody shaking their heads; they've heard about it before in the past. Yeah, the program was set up by our national office, and uh, it ran from 1969 to 1984, and. Uh, It was set up so that graduates from our Bible colleges across Canada, who felt the call to minister to the home missions need of French people, would come to Quebec, learn French, and go into ministry. It was a successful, successful program, and for the 15 years that it existed, 58 different people came to Quebec to learn French. And of those 58 people who came from Canada, the rest of Canada, to Quebec, uh, 29 churches were planted. Can you just think of that? That's one church for every two people who came. And um, of those 29 churches, 22 are still in existence today. That is amazing. Uh, The Lord put it on the heart for our movement To provide ways of bringing people from who feel a call to French Canada, teach them the language so that they could minister in the province of Quebec and in French parts of Canada. And uh, for many reasons, in 1984 that program uh, ended. And um, so, as you know, for I said, I came to know Christ in 71 here out west. And so I was very aware aware of what this program did for. French Canada, and so I couldn't believe maybe in 2012 or 2013, as I started thinking and researching about it, that it's been it had been 30 years since that program ended. Can I just tell you? And this is from a young man who was born and raised in the province of Quebec, and I realize how much sometimes Quebec can be in a contentious uh, contentious thought in people's minds. You know. If they want to go, let them go. That's what sometimes people feel, you know. There's Quebec has the greatest subsidies that come in and so forth, and they're always complaining. And you know, let them go. I understand that sentiment that we can have in the province uh, in in Canada, and yet, uh, having been born and raised in in the province of Quebec, I can tell you Quebec needs Canada. It needs it for many reasons, and. The Most likely, I believe, they need him spiritually. And uh, I know there's been a period of a good 40 years that... Uh, <laughs> it's because he's looking at me with his intense eyes here. That, uh, you know, there's been a lot of ideas about, you know, Quebec. And, uh, but I, I really believe there's a new Macedonian call... In the province, there's an openness, I really do, for the rest of Canada and um, to come and uh, help us reach Amen. the province. Amen. And I, I don't see it as just me, there's, there's an atmosphere. We spoke, we sang about an atmosphere, but there's an atmosphere that's different than it used to be. And uh, I remember that uh, one night I was flying into Montreal, and I just sensed that in my spirit so strongly. And uh, it all came about the same time as we rebooted this program. And uh, when I came here two years ago, it was just as we were starting the program. And your church has taken it upon themselves to help us. I think it's $400 a month you've been sending since that time uh, to allow people who feel a sense of call to ministry to come to Quebec, learn French, and then be in, in ministry. So you're the biggest supporter there is in all of Canada. Can you say you're number one? Can, I just, can you give yourself a hand this morning? I just want to thank you very much. With the money that you give, it's put into a scholarship fund called the Robert Argue Scholarship Fund. Students who come and they, and they take the French program... Their studies are covered. We place them in a local church where they start to minister. And as they improve in their linguistic skills, uh, they minister in that church. And when they're finishing the year, they have to give a two years commitment at least. And then they go out and hopefully God is going to use them in, in wonderful ways. And so I commend you. I commend you. I commend you. And, uh, do you know, I talk about you. Across Canada for many in many reasons, I tell people they have the nicest lobby in the whole of Canada, looking out at the the foothills, but they have the greatest heart in helping us in the province of Quebec in this particular area. So I want to I want to praise you on that. And uh, you will notice out in the foyer uh, there are um, there are a couple of things out there. You've had this a, a while in your church and it says, why should I care about Canada? I also work along with, I'm not only the uh, French Bible College president in Quebec, I'm the Quebec and Francophone Canada coordinator for Mission Canada. And just to reunderline the idea is that we're called to reach our Jerusalems, our Judeas, our Samarias, and the othermost parts of the world. And as we think about our Jerusalems, we realize very easily what that is. That's where we are. That's where our church is planted. And and the outreach of our church to those exactly around us, in the Rocky Ridge area here, is that it? And, and in Calgary. And we can sometimes understand what the Lord was saying in Acts 1 and 8 when he said, go into your, into your Judeas. Judeas is the work that our province, your district is doing, and you're inventing into that. And we understand quite clearly when missionary international missionaries come along and it talks about the othermost parts of the world, Sometimes it's hard to grasp what Samaria is. Well, for, ca- for the Pentecostal assemblies of Canada, we say that our Samaria is our Canada. And we've established, and, I, and I, was, I was a district superintendent when we established these five priorities. I remember we we wanted to set out a new paradigm in, in Canada uh, so that each church would understand their Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the utmost parts. And uh, we sent out a, 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 um, a sondage, how do you say that, um, a survey to uh, to all the Canadian pastors, and we said, "What do you think should be the priorities in Canada?" And we, after gathering all the results back, we had thirty five priorities. How many of you know that? It's pretty hard to do thirty five priorities. It's it's not priorities. So what we did is we. We brought those priorities down to five, and um, if you've never seen this little book, it's, it's interesting for you to pick one up in the back. We said, really, if we're going to do missional work in Canada, we have the priorities of our urban centers. We really have to do a missional work in our urban centers. Another missional priority is um, our next generation, our children our youth, our adolescents, and our campuses. So we've put a great emphasis on reaching out to, to uh, children, youth, and campuses. Another priority we said is our um, uh, Aboriginal Canadians or First Nations. So that is really an area that we need to touch. Another one is cultural language groups and newcomers to Canada. And the fifth missional priority we said we really have to attain, and that is Quebec, and Francophone Canada. That is a missional priority that we need to have. And, and each one of those areas has a coordinator, and I happen to be the coordinator for Quebec and Francophone Canada. That's why I'm, I always go around to our colleges, I go around to our churches, and I say, don't forget Quebec and Francophone Canada. And I uh, just have mention as well, as, as Pastor Roy said, we do have many ways that you can help financially and so forth doing this program. But there's a very practical way some churches are doing is they're coming to Quebec in the summertime for a week-long ESL conference that we give in churches. So what a great way folks here who know English can come to Quebec and work with a church and teach ESL. Um, You know, sometimes when you go on short-term missions church uh, trips to other cultures or other languages, you, it's a hard time communicating. Sometimes you can do things like mimes on street corners and so forth, which is very effective as well. But wouldn't it be great if the, you who speak English can come and work with a local church and, and teach English to many people who want to learn the English language and through it establish relationships and bring Christ to them. So uh, one of our churches eight weeks at a time, has eight different short-term missions groups that come in and help them. And um, there's place still there. But what we want to do is we want to duplicate that in many, many churches across uh, the province of Quebec. Uh, because sometimes some of our churches, you know, they're not known in the community. This gets them known. It gets them to be somebody who's doing something great for the community. So, you know, if any of those things interest you, Please come and see me, and I would really love to, uh, to see you come to the province and see that work out. So again, I'm totally honest today, I'm, I'm so happy that your church has uh, uh, decided to help the province of Quebec and continue to do it, and um, even though the Calgary Flames beat the Montreal Canadiens, I, I still love and appreciate each one of you, amen? God is so good. Pastor Roy and Marilyn are friends over the years now that we've uh, met, and uh, I always say Roy is a good guy. How many of you think Pastor Roy is a good guy? Okay, I got a pretty good guy here, and uh, he's a pretty good guy, so uh, I do appreciate him very much. Thank you, uh, Roy, Pastor Roy, Reverend Roy, the right Honorable Reverend Roy. What, What do you call yourself? Right, OK You will see a slide come up here, and um, they asked me if I uh, had a PowerPoint, and I said, "There it is. <laughs> That's my PowerPoint this morning. I just want that particular verse to be in front of you today as we go to God's Word. So uh, would you stand with me as we read, and I'll ask you to turn to the Gospel of John in chapter 14, John chapter 14. I want to thank Wesley. Uh, he did a lot of the photocopies that, for the sheets I have out in the sheet. Thank you uh, on the foyer. I thought he'd give me a black and white. He gave color things for me out there, and I appreciated it very much. So I want us to go to, uh, and I'm reading in the New International uh, Version here. and chapter 14, I'm going to read verses uh, 1 to 6 and verse 16. So let's just pray and ask the Lord to bless his word to our hearts this morning. Thank you, Father, for your presence. And uh, we sang this morning, your presence is, is heaven to me. I so like that, Father, because it speaks about you uh, being with us. And what greater thing there is, is that heaven would be with us, that you would be with us, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And uh, that is the key, Father, that heaven come down and your presence is with us. Not just this morning as we meet in this service, but every day of the week. We take your presence with us. We take it into our schools. We take it into our workplaces. We take it into Tim Hortons. We take it into the White Spot or We take it to wherever we go. We take it to the park. We take it to the ski hill. Your presence, Lord, is heaven to us because without your presence, Lord, we cannot be effective in any way because we want to be true disciple makers. We want to be true believers in Jesus. We want to reflect who you are wherever we go. So, Father, today we, we thank you. We thank you for your word that through your Holy Spirit can stir our hearts. What no one else can do, you can do by your Holy Spirit. You can stir us, Lord, to good works. You can stir us up, Lord, to, to transformational change in people's lives. And so we ask you, Holy Spirit, stir us today, Lord. Make alive even the words that Jesus spoke. Make it alive to our hearts. Wake us in the night. May we rise in the morning and just sense your presence in all that we do, Lord. May our praises be filled with your presence, Lord. and May our relationships be filled with your presence. Oh, Father, praise your name, Lord. You never leave us nor forsake us. You're here this morning. You'll be with us this afternoon. You'll be with us tomorrow. Just help us to be ever so conscious, conscious, Lord, that you never leave us nor forsake us. Bless your word to our heart this morning. Exhort us, Lord. Inspire us. Fill us, Lord. Lord, I pray for the ministry of This church, Lord, Northwest Family Church, may it have an effective witness. May it have effective witnesses as a part of that church. May they know that you are alive, and and may those who see and and see this church know that you are alive in and through this church. I praise your name, Lord. I, I just pray, Lord, for the generosity of even them giving towards uh, a people who are at the other end of this Canada we live in because they see there's a need. Lord, bless them, Lord. You have said in your word that if if we give even a cup of water or a piece of bread in your name, Lord, it it, it will not be forgotten. It will come back. And, Lord, I just pray you, as this church gives generously to missions and to even mission here in Canada, Lord, that it will come back to them in very tangible ways, Lord. Praise you this morning. Praise you this morning, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Bless your word to our hearts, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus told his disciples here, you may be seated. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And I'd like to, I don't want to add the scripture, but you'll see it's really part of the passage here. Believe also in the Holy Spirit is what I want to put down. Basically, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are all one, right? So here, the... Jesus tells the disciples, and by the way, he's telling us today as well. He says, do not let your heart be troubled. And his solution to that is what? Believe in God. Believe in me. And I'm saying today because it's understood in the passage, believe in the Holy Spirit. I think we need to get that into our into our heart. We need to believe in the Holy Spirit. We need to be very aware of the spirit who lives in us, who wants to guide us, who wants to direct us, who wants to be us to be victorious, not just so we can be happy, but so we can affect the world in which we are living in. So we can be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the world. He says, My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. And he says, You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas says, Lord, we don't know where you're going. We don't know heaven. We don't know that. And how can we know the way? And Jesus answered them, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if we, we skip over to verse 13, we get this part where it says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, Who will be with you forever. And the helper there is the paraclete, is the advocate, and the word is what? One just like me. So you see where I'm getting the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So don't don't be troubled. God's with you, I'm with you, and there's one who's coming the Holy Spirit. Is with you. So yes, it was spoken for his disciples in verse 16. But you know, it was spoken for you and I, a helper. Would you agree with me this morning? It's really great to have help now and again. And uh, so many times, I've, um, in circumstances, I've said, I need help. Is that, I need help. I'm just staying over at Pastor Roy. He's a good guy, did I tell you that? He, uh, They've done some renovation at their house, and I can imagine he must have had some gyprock that he had to put up on the ceiling, and I think he needed more than Maryland to keep that gyprock as he was putting it in, you know? I don't know. Maybe, well, maybe Maryland needed Roy. I don't know to put it up. <laughs> but... Some, in. All varied type of circumstances, I need help. Can you think of some areas? Let let me just hear you. Some areas where you need help. I don't mean you need help, buddy. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) what are some areas? I would say (laughs) that too. I need that too. What are some areas? Just Wesley. Work? What, do you, what type of work? Work around the house and sometimes? Can some of you think of a circumstance where if you didn't have that extra hand, it would be a terrible job? Well, putting pl- rock on the ceiling, you need that extra hand. Something else? Just I want to get you involved here. Can you think of something? Me, my, my, my work. What's your work? English teacher? ESL teacher. I'm sorry? ESL. Oh, hey. What are you doing next summer? (laughs) Sorry, Roger. She's coming to Quebec. (laughs) And so, how do you need help? Well, the other teachers that I work with pass me materials for my classes. This is the first time that I teach ESL in Canada, so it's a totally different circumstance. So, we share resources with each other. Okay. And you really need that. Good. Someone else. Too bad I didn't know your names because I'd pick you out and I'd say, you know, what do you think, this and that. Oh, raising the kids. If I didn't know this, I'd be kind of. Say that again. Raising the kids. Raising the kids. Sure, you need help. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to bring out the fact is that we cannot do it alone in many, many, many circumstances in life. Now, we are to do our best, right? I'm to be my best. Um, God wants me to be the best version of me. He doesn't want me to be somebody else. He, but he wants me to be me. But he wants me to be the best version of me. And so I have to give myself to, to be very, what's the word, discipline of wanting to be best that God wants me to be. And yet I can't do it alone. In many, many circumstances, I cannot do it alone. Jesus was the disciple's helper. And now he was going away. And he wants to encourage them by saying, he would send them another helper just like him. So he tells them, so do not let your hearts be troubled. Believe and trust. Trust in God Trust in Jesus. Trust in the Holy Spirit. I I just want to emphasize that third one there. Because Jesus trusted in God. Jesus spoke to his disciples and said, Trust in me, but you know I'm going away. But I'm going to send you one just like me. And he's going to be with you forever. So that means he's here today. So, let me just give you the context a bit of uh, where we are in the book of John. And it's interesting, when we study the book of John, we can divide it into four different areas. We can, we can do the first um, chapter of the book of John, and it really talks about the pre-existent Christ. Christ before he came on the earth. You'll notice that. John has set up his letter in a way that he speaks about, Many things, he but he only speaks about seven miracles in the whole in the whole um, in his whole book. But he says they are signs so that people will believe. So we know he sets up his book in a very pertinent way, and he speaks about the pre-existent Christ in chapter one. And from chapter uh, verse nineteen in chapter one to the end of chapter twelve, he speaks about the manifestation of Jesus in the world towards people in the world. But interesting, here in chapter 13, right to chapter 20, he speaks about the manifestation of Jesus specifically towards his disciples, because he's going away. And specifically in this particular part of scriptures, I I just want to go through quickly a summary, and I'm just going to read out here out of my Bible, a commentary in, in the Bible here, about this particular area, and I really want you to catch it, so I'm just going to read it, I won't repeat it. Chapters 13 to 17 contains lengthy discourses of Jesus that do not appear in the other Gospels. Chapter 13 deals with the denial of Judas, and also Peter's uh, Jesus saying, Peter, you're going to be denying me. But the rest of it, in chapters 14 to 17, listen to this. Jesus is really saying, and I'm not going to read all the verses, Jesus has come to do the work of the Father. And what was that? It was to accomplish redemption for a lost world. He was telling, that's why I've come. I've come to bring redemption. And he's also saying in these passages, to carry out that message to all peoples, he's selected a group of followers. He's telling them, I've selected you to do it. Um, at the completion of the, his work on work, Jesus says, I must return to the Father. The events of this work, especially the cross, will be difficult for the disciples. That's what he's telling him in these verses. But Jesus must die on it, be raised and ascend, and he wants his disciples to know that that is necessary, that he dies and be raised from the dead. And then after Jesus ascends to the Father, he will not leave them alone, as I have said. In fact, were he not to return to the Father and send the Spirit, the Father's work would not be finished. But Jesus and the Father will send them the Spirit. And believers, with the Spirit in them, will be able to do the work that he's commanded them to do. The disciples should pray to the Father, and he will send the Spirit who will speak to them his will. Jesus is going to prepare a place for them. We read it. Meanwhile, believers will be left on earth, and this is the point I want us to catch specifically this morning. Believers will be left on earth to carry out the work of Jesus and the Father. This work exists in two dimensions. Here is the two dimensions that you and I are called to do. Believers will extend the work of redemption, that is, the work of the cross, how? Through proclamation and through signs and wonders, if you want to. Through proclamation and signs. And secondly, they will manifest a certain ethical lifestyle on the earth, especially characterized by love, the same kind of love that exists between the Father and Son. All that to say is that in these chapters from chapter 13 to 17 specifically, specifically 14 to 17, Jesus is telling his disciples as all things, I came into this world for a plan to save humanity. I've selected you to tell others about that plan. And you're going to do it by communicating, by proclaiming, by signs and wonders. And... um, you're going to live a lifestyle that's going to reflect the love that I have had. So you follow what I'm saying? He says that is your responsibility. And that was a bit hard to hear because carrying out the words of Jesus is not easy. It's not easy. We need Help. We cannot do it on our own. But, what do we have? We have a helper, the Holy Spirit. I, I brought this book up here uh, because I am so challenged by what this gentleman is, is saying in this book. I was just in British Columbia at a conference. Um, I was speaking there about Quebec. And their guest speaker was this gentleman called David Kinneman. And uh, he works with the Barna Group. People know what the Barna Group is. It's um, they they get statisticals about the the, the world we're, we're in and so forth. And he's been doing it for many many years. He wrote another book about ten years ago called UnChristian and uh, just how is society looking on believers? And the title of his book is called Good Faith. So basically, he's advocating that we be good, faithful people. But in the subtitle here, he puts something very interesting. He says, being a Christian when society thinks you're irrelevant and extreme. Being a Christian, a good faith Christian, in a society, when a, in a society that thinks you're irrelevant and extreme. I listened to him speak the other night and I got to hear him speak twice and I just had to read his book and I've just started and I'm only about a quarter of the way through. But let me just read you some of the things he says in his book about the society that we live in, Extremist. In some people's eyes, if you are a devoted Christian today, you're an extremist. If you're just a devoted Christian, you're seen as an extremist. There seems to be something, a backlash against religion's worst sins, a political climate that wants to stamp out religion in public life, the popular rise of atheism, amplified access to polarizing points of view. He says something is making it increasingly difficult to practice faith in our society. For many people of faith, it's becoming harder to live their convictions outside of their religious communities. Can can I say that again to you? For many people of faith, it's becoming harder to live their convictions outside of their religious communities. The sense for many believers is that society is hostile to faith in general, and Christianity in particular. There seems to be this hostility in our society. And he quotes, It's not just a feeling. When one third of college age adults want nothing to do with religion, nothing to do with it, and 59% of Christian young adults drop out of church at one point in their 20s, it's a new reality on the ground. 59, that's six out of 10. It says, What does the future hold for people of faith when people perceive Christians as irrelevant and extreme? They believe religion should be consigned to the realm of the private, to family, home, and house of worship, no exceptions. They claim real life happens in laboratories, in the marketplace, in boardrooms, and city halls. They are convinced that spirituality and other fluffy, intangible stuff matter only peripherally to real life, and their views are gaining currency in our culture. We can't see it as a blind eye. We have a heritage, you know, in the past about Christian, but it's, it's, it's when is the tipping point going to come, as Malcolm Gladwell would say in one of his books? Where's the tipping point come? People of good faith, however, contend that every thought, word, and deed are meant to be weighed on the scale of faith. That faith should be the primary lens through which life is perceived. To put it broadly, a theological approach insists that God is at the center of life. That's the way I see it. That's the way you see it. We look at life through the lens of our belief in the Word of God, our belief in Jesus Christ, how He can transform things. But that's not the way our society is coming more and more. It's, it's just not seen that way. So he's really putting out a challenge. He's saying, how are we going to be this salt and light? How are we going to do the work of proclamation and signs and wonders of the cross? How are we going to show this love in this type of society? This is the society we're living in, whether in Quebec, and in Vancouver, or in Calgary. But he says... Believers, like us, contend that faith, and I like this, when it's done right, is good. How many agree with that statement? I like it. It says, believers like us contend that faith, when it's done right, is good. I'm happy I'm a believer. I think it's good I'm a believer. I want to be good in my faith. It's good, but this is the other part. He says, it's good not only for the faithful, for me, but for non-believers as well. I believe faith is not just good for me so I can be happy. I believe it's, it's going to be good for non-believers as well. Live, when it's lived well and practiced consistently, good faith may be the best hope for our neighbors and our society. Hmm. I... I that's really good. Good faith. So he says, Good conversations, our best hope for peace is in conflicted relationships are on endangered species lists. I like what he said. Good conversations, our best hope for peace in conflicted relationships are on the endangered species lists. Our research shows that having meaningful conversations is increasingly increasingly difficult for many of us. Um, An uncomfortably large segment of Christians would rather agree with people around them than experience even the mildest conflict. You know what? I'm not preaching to you as someone who has conquered all that. I, I sense it. Maybe this book is touching me so much because I sense it in my everyday leanings. I started curling this year. <laughs> How many of you curl? Nobody. It's just a lot of fun. It's just when you get old like me. No, no, you you curl too. Great. It's a blast. It takes a little while, but it's a great social way because when you when you when you curl, the four people you're curling with and the four people you're curling against, after the game you have to go up and socialize. If you're the winner, you pay for the loser. I like that because I'm one too many, and. Uh, and you sit around the table and socialize. But I'm so aware when I'm sitting there, one of the eight is going to turn to me and say, so what do you do in life? Oh, man, i got to get another drink. You know, it's just, there's something, there's something today that's just, it's uncomfortable. An uncomfortably large segment of Christians would rather agree with people around them than experience even the mildest conflict. And listen to this. When Christians cram their deepest beliefs so far down, there's little hope those beliefs could ever affect real conversations. we got a problem. When we, as true good faith believers, cram our beliefs so far down that they can never affect to be salt and light in the world, do you think that shift is going to change in any way? I'm telling you there's there's a real there's a moment there comes a tipping point. There will come a tipping point if, if people of good faith don't find ways of having good conversations good relationships and affecting the people that are around us. Oh, it's, it's just I, I He says, all this work that they've done by their, by their uh, surveys has excavated two perceptions about Christians that are gaining cultural ground. It says we are irrelevant and we're extreme. But we believe that when people commit to a Jesus-shaped way of life, they create a counterculture for the common good. Living their lives not for themselves, but for the benefit of others, To the glory of God. Do you believe that? We need. The help. Of the Holy Spirit. We can't put that dry all up. And screw it in by ourselves. We cannot be life and salt in this world. Because we're just going to be. We need to. Trust in God, trust in Jesus, trust in the Holy Spirit. We have to be very conscious, my friends, that the Holy Spirit has not left us. Jesus said, do not let your hearts be troubled. How did Jesus deal with it when his heart was troubled? How did he deal with it? Actually, there's two circumstances in the chapter that just precedes this. Look in chapter 13 and in verse 21. Remember I told you that chapter 13 is the chapter where um, Judas betrays him and he says to Peter that you're going to deny me. In chapter 13 um, it says, after he had said this, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified Very, very truly, I tell you, one of you is going to betray me. In the midst of a situation, Jesus was troubled in his spirit because one of his own was going to be betraying him. It troubled his spirit. How did Jesus get over that troubling? What did he do? He trusted in God. Another circumstance couple of chapters earlier in chapter 11, that we, we find that same word being used by Jesus in verse 33 and in verse 35. It was when um, Lazarus was, had died and Jesus arrived at the grave. And uh, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Again, how did Jesus deal with it? He trusted in God. That's how he dealt with it. How are you and I going to deal with the societal reality that we have? We're going to trust in God, we're going to trust in Jesus, but can I just say it again? We're going to have to trust the Holy Spirit. Where is the Holy Spirit? Is he in heaven? Yeah, I guess so. Father's in heaven, Jesus in heaven. But scripture says, He is in me. He is in me. I'm, when I receive Christ in my heart, He has come into my life and I'm seeking Him. He fills me with the Holy Spirit. So I need to expect Him. I need to just rely on him in my life. I need to more and more when I get into these, these situations. Pastor Roy and I last night after you picked him up at the airport, we went over to Tim Hortons. And I, you know, all the people that were there, you like, I just, I just outwardly, I don't, I don't think they knew Jesus. And, and they've, a lot of them that were there were from different countries who, who, who came in, have a different world philosophy than I have. Um, but the good conversations sometimes are awkward. But Holy Spirit, help me. Help me to know what to say at the right moment. Help me to know how to do it. Well, here's the great promise, and here's where I want to end with us this morning. Do not let your hearts be troubled, <laughs> trust in God. Trust in Jesus, his word. But really, Jesus was telling his disciples, I'm going away. From now on, you need to trust in the Holy Spirit. I can't read all the scripture verses, but let me just read you some things that I find in my Bible here. The Holy Spirit in relation to God's church. This is what scriptures say. The Holy Spirit dwells in the church as his temple. The Holy Spirit is poured out upon the church. He speaks to the church. He creates fellowship in the church. He unites the church. He gives gifts to the church. He strengthens the church. He appoints leaders for the church. He works through spirit-filled people. He empowers preachers. He directs the missionary enterprises. He guards the church against error. He warns the church of apostasy. He equips the church for spiritual warfare. He glorifies Christ. He promotes righteousness. And the Holy Spirit in relationship to individual believers. He's not dead. He's active. He lives in every believer. He convicts of sin. He regenerates us. He imparts God's love to us. He makes us realize God is our Father. He enables us to say, Jesus is Lord. He reveals Christ to us. He reveals God's truth to us. He enables us to distinguish truth from error. He incorporates us into the church. is given to all who ask. He baptizes us into Christ. He fills us. He gives us power and boldness to witness. He gives us special gifts. He gives visions and prophecies. He develops the fruit in us. He enables us to live a holy life. He frees us from the power of sin. He enables us to fight Satan with the word. He enables us to speak in difficult conversational moments. He gives us comfort and encouragement. Helps us to pray. Enables us to worship. Is our pledge of final redemption. Makes us yearn for Christ's return. And gives life to our mortal bodies. Trust in God. Trust in Jesus. But we need to trust in He who is around us right today. He is in us. And if we... If we say, Lord, guide me by your spirit, help me, my society I'm living in, I need your help, guess what? I've just read how many? I've read, can anybody add 16 plus 27? What's that? 43. I've just read 43 different things he said I'm going to do with you. I need to trust that. I need to trust that. I'm going to ask Roger and, his, 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 and the team if they wouldn't mind coming back up again. And I just want us to finish with that song that you spoke, Heaven. Um, what is it? Uh, your presence is like heaven to me. The presence of the Holy Spirit is if heaven is with me. You know, we talk about heaven coming down. Well, heaven is down. He's, he's in our hearts. And God wants us... Listen, it's not easy. There are difficult conversations that you and I need to have with a lot of people. And if we don't have the help of the Holy Spirit, it's going to stay inside. So, as we sing this song this morning, I wouldn't mind if we all responded to this call. Now, I can't force you to come to the front and stand here, but I'm going to ask you to do that. I'm going to ask you to come forward and fill the front. And I'm just going to ask you that you just ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to have those difficult conversations or those awkward conversations because you want to be people of good faith. You want to be people, Jesus people, but good Jesus people. You want to be good Jesus people? Well, if you want to be good Jesus people, then you you'll want to do what Jesus wants you to do he's left us to, to give the message he's left us to be the salt and light in the world who else is going to do it it's not easy that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit Jesus made it through all he made because he trusted in God we need to make it through what we do by trusting the Holy Spirit so would you stand with me and, and would you come forward if, if you sense, and you just say yes to God. Just come forward and form a line and say, um, I need you, the Holy Spirit, to help me. Just come forward. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
2: Hallelujah. Lord, the God, the one from God, who is like You, Lord? Who is like You, Lord, in all the earth? Pastless love and beauty, endless worth. You're the God, the warm, Hallelujah, hallelujah, Lord. Your praise. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Father,
1: for help her, Lord Jesus. Come and be your helper, Lord. Come help and be your helper, Lord. Hallelujah. Come and be your helper. Holy
0: Holy Spirit, the evidence of directing our lives, we're so grateful that you did not leave us without a comforter, without someone to empower us and help us, to lead and guide us, to fill us with that amazing love of Jesus Christ. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, I encourage you to invite him into your life, recognizing and confessing the fact that we're all sinners. We've all sinned, and we need to ask Christ to forgive us. You can do that in your heart, in your life right now by just saying, Jesus, I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me, and I thank you for dying on the cross and paying the penalty for my sin forgive me, fill me with the Holy Spirit and help me to live the life that will be honoring to God and pleasing to you and he can transform and change your life right now I encourage you to pray that prayer and then tell somebody about it share with somebody you prayed and invited Christ to forgive you and committed your life to Jesus Christ this morning Father, we thank you for the word that we've heard, and we, we thank you for the promise of your Spirit. I ask, Lord, that you would empower every one of us to fulfill that calling upon our life. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be gracious to you, pour the Spirit upon you, and fill you with his peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.